everybody. My name is Maddie Beals. If I haven't met you yet, nice to meet you. I am on the teaching team here at Valley, and I am excited to dive in. We are continuing through the book of Matthew, and we're going to be talking about some seeds and some soil tonight. We're going to learn a lot about agriculture. I'm excited. Um, So if you guys would bow your heads with me, we're just going to pray before we get started. Father, we trust that you are in these scriptures and want to speak to us tonight. So Lord, right now I ask that your spirit fills each of us and illuminates what needs to be brought out, Father. We know that each one of us bring burdens and stresses and worries from our weak distractions. But right now, Lord, I ask that we can just pause Take a big deep breath and see and hear what you have to tell us, Father. We love you in your name. Amen. All right. So if you were not here last week, Michael introduced this next section of passage for us really beautifully, where we are now moving into a passage of Matthew where he starts speaking in parables. So previously, just before Jesus started talking about these different parables, he was in a house and he had just healed a demon-possessed man. People thought maybe he was the leader of Satan himself. And they said, who are you to have command over these demons? The Pharisees wanted Jesus to prove who he was. They said, provide a sign. How do we know that you are the Messiah? And then Jesus, in referring to his mothers and brothers, he actually rejected that the kingdom of God is based off of origin, but instead is based off of those who do the will of the Father. And so in these, uh, this ground, that he, this uh, base that he's establishing right before he starts talking about these different parables, he is essentially challenging who is the leader of this kingdom that he is preaching about who is a part of this kingdom, and there were some very mixed responses to these messages. And so he leaves the house, he goes to the sea, he gets into a boat, and he starts talking. If you were here last week, Michael showed a great clip from The Chosen, which can help us kind of visualize what this looks like. And so he starts speaking in parables. And so, like I said, Michael, just I kind of want to touch on some of the things he mentioned last week because it's really going to help how we're uh, diving into the parable today. And so Michael talked about the value of parables, that the message was revealing the truth to some, but actually was hidden. The truth was hidden from others. And this isn't a matter of concealing the truth in order to keep the kingdom away from certain people. But it's more just a matter of fact that not everyone had the ability to hear and understand the meaning of the arrival of the kingdom. And so there's just this level of willingness or unwillingness to hear the words that Jesus is saying. So while the disciples meditated, they chose to listen, they sought to understand what Jesus was saying, the Pharisees did not. They did not understand Some even, uh, some scholars even believe that this transition from Jesus going from a house to the sea is actually representative of when he was in a house. He was in this 
intimate setting where he actually would explain a lot more in detail his stories and uh, what he was meaning with his words. Whereas when he went into the sea, he had crowds, a lot more people around him, and it's actually representative of the fact that not a lot of people are really going to understand what Jesus is saying. So those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So what we bring to this passage today is that if a parable is something that is different, that is, a parable represents something that is different on the surface, and we need to take a look at it and then take another look at it, take another look at it to really understand the underlying message of what's going on here. So we need to sit with it. We need to meditate on it. We need to be willing to see past the initial understanding. We need to ruminate on it. We need to let it change our hearts and change our lives. And if you have heard the parable that we're talking about tonight, my guess is you have, uh, the parable of the sower and the four soils, that it might just be easy for you to kind of be like, yeah, I know exactly where this is going. And sure, maybe it will go exactly where you think it's going to go. Or you're going to let it sink into your heart a little bit deeper than it has before. And you're going to look at it again and maybe a new way that you haven't looked at it. And you're going to let the Spirit bring out certain things about this passage and transform your heart in a really beautiful and unique way. James K.A. Smith, an author that I really like, wrote um, in one of his books, he did this analogy of uh, approaching the scriptures when he described it like you're cold. Imagine yourself really cold, cold to the bone. You know, you feel that and you're like, there's no way I can warm up. And that some people's solution when they approach like, I know that the warmth is the scripture. They just walk right past the fire. And maybe it warms them up for a minute, but then they walk right away from it and they're cold again. But we want to do tonight is we want to just curl right on up next to that fire. And we're just going to sit there and we're going to let it warm us from the inside out, really start to transform our, heart, our hearts. So I repeat, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So we dive into our passage tonight. We are in Matthew 13, starting in verse 1. And so what we did last week is um, Michael talked about why parables was kind of where we were going, what's what's going on with parables and what are the techniques Jesus is using, which is right in the middle of our passage tonight. So we're going to read verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to jump down to verse 18, because Jesus basically tells the parable, and then he says, this is why parables are important, which is what Michael did last week, and then he says, this is the explanation of the parable. Okay, so we're just going to read our passage for tonight. So starting in verse 1, that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of the soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell along the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now jumping down to the explanation of this parable in verse 18. 
Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary, and when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And, on, and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this was the man who hears the word. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the, world, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this, this is the man who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. So we want to continually remember what is the message that Jesus is preaching. Jesus is preaching that the kingdom of God is here. Even in verse 11, which we didn't read tonight, when the people and the disciples asked, why do you speak in parables? He says, well, the mysteries of the kingdom have been revealed. You can now know the mysteries of the kingdom. So of course there is application for us today, but we don't want to jump to that too quickly. First, we need to understand it in terms of the kingdom. So just a refresh, as you think the kingdom of God, of course I know what the kingdom of God is, but that isn't always terms that we use today. A lot of times we think preaching the good news is preaching, we use the word gospel, we think, you know, Romans Road, we think all of these different terms of what the good news, the good message is. But the kingdom of God in the biblical sense, as we trace this story throughout scriptures, was started a covenant made with Abraham. It was remembered by Moses and by David, Jeremiah, many others, that a Messiah, a seed of the woman from the garden, would come and redeem Israel from their sins, deliver them from the bondage of their oppressors. He would institute a kingdom led by peace and righteousness. The king would come from the line of David and would rule his kingdom forever. And so Jesus is preaching how this kingdom is defined. What kind of king will lead? What kind of king is Jesus really? Because he's one led by mercy and forgiveness. One who uplifts the humble and brings low the proud. One whose invitation into the kingdom is available to all, even sinners and social outcasts those who are not of Hebrew descent or from the family of Abraham. We now know that the end of Jesus's journey was not a throne, but a cross. Not one of triumphal victory through sword, but humble victory through sacrificial death. Jesus is bringing the upside down kingdom. So Jesus is choosing to reveal what this kingdom looks like through these parables. And he chooses in this parable to use a parable of a sower or maybe better referred to, parable of soil. And so the point of this parable is to take something unknown, use something familiar to explain it, and make it known. But to understand parables, we have to understand the analogy that's being used. So for example, to understand when Jesus says, I am the gate, well, you need to know what a gate is. You need to know what a gate does, so that then you can understand the point that he's making, I am the gate, well, a gate opens and is the path which way you should through, go through something. So if Jesus is talking about seeds, 
we're going to do a little biblical study of botany. Are you guys ready? <laughs> uh, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I want to trace at least uh, in some of the first pages of our Bible what the imagery of a seed looks like so that we can better understand what it looks like in our passage today. So we got to start in the Garden of Eden. A seed is representative of flourishing. Be fruitful and multiply, God tells humans and animals. And if you think about it, the ground is also multiplying. The earth, the garden is growing, it's flourishing. The seed produces something great. We have the promise of a seed, which is the seed of the woman. The Lord says, you, a descendant from you will come and destroy the serpent. We have representative, a symbol of hope, the seed that we look for is a symbol of hope. We have Abraham's seed. This seed is representative of a great nation that he will father. This nation will be a blessing to others. It will be God's nation that he will carry his purposes through to bring all nations to himself. And when a seed grows, it represents abundance. It represents blessing. It's more than what you asked for. Fruit is the bounty of a long process of waiting for a seed to grow. Have you ever sat there and watched a seed grow? <laughs> it's a long process. The fruit is a gift of that long process. It also needs to be pruned and protected. So then we have this parable of the seed a sower and soil. And the seed of the message of the kingdom that Jesus talks about is the very same seed of the message of hope of the descendant of the woman Eve in the garden. But what was once a far off promise of a kingdom is now a reality that has arrived. So we need to keep the image of this hope of a Messiah in mind as we are processing through our passage. So, now, turning more specifically to our passage, who is who in this parable? The seed is going to be the message of the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The soil is going to be the heart and receptiveness of the hearer. And the sower is going to be Jesus, the bringer of the message of the kingdom. So we have the first seed. The first seed fell on the path. This person heard the word, but they don't understand it. They had no ability for this message to take root in their heart. And so the evil one snatches it up. It's not even that they're necessarily against the message. It doesn't say that they rejected the message. They heard it. But nothing happened once they heard it. So they just didn't act on it, fell on the path. It went nowhere. The evil one snatched it up. The second seed fell on the rocky places. So it's just not very good soil that it fell on. Imagine just like a bunch of rocks. So the message was actually received with joy. This here was very excited to hear the good news of the kingdom. But the roots couldn't go. The ground of the soil was too shallow. It couldn't grow. The hard waves of life came crashing on this one, and it fell away. The third seed fell on the thorns. The worry, the passage said that the worry of the world and deceitfulness of wealth choke it out. I thought that was interesting. It's not even just that it fell on the thorns and the thorns choked it out. We could all probably fill in what are the thorns in our lives? You know, what's the thorns going to be that chokes it out? Uh, but very specifically, it says the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out. So it can't bear fruit. 
Now, when I think about the worry of the world, do I need to ask you, is there anything in this world that is worrying you right now? <laughs> Feels like an unnecessary question to ask because the answer is so obvious, of course. Pick your poison. <laughs> what is it that's gonna be worrying my heart from the world? Sometimes I know I can be so overwhelmed by what's going on in our world. And I just think, oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. And the deceitfulness of wealth. If only I had blank, then I would be safe. If only I had a little bit more money, a little bit of a bigger house, a little bit more cushion in my savings. These two pieces that are choking out the seed really can be representative of a lack of trust in God. We don't trust him with our worries and our circumstances. So the anxiety and the greed and the lack of trust is what is stopping this seed from producing any fruit. And then, of course, we have the fourth seed, the good soil, the hearer of the word who understands it. This fruit is produced and is magnified from this one seed. It was fruitful and it multiplied, if you will. So in each scenario, the seed is the same and the sower is the same, but the location of where the seed was planted is actually what differs. The soil is what we're looking at tonight. That is what was dependent on how the seed would react. So when Jesus is communicating this to his disciples, he's communicating several things. He was identifying that there are different states of the hearts of those who hear the word, but also acknowledging some are gonna accept or reject the message of the disciples as they continue to preach this coming kingdom. And it gives some context as to the disciples where they're like, that makes sense. Some people were really mad as you have been talking about all of this and people have really rejected this message. And so while we don't necessarily know if this passage is specifically referring to the point of salvation, some people take this passage as, okay, so the person on the good soil is definitely saved. Now, what about the other three? Or which ones were saved? At what point is salvation happening? Are they gonna lose their salvation? And frankly, I don't know that that's what this passage is trying to do, so I'm not gonna try and fight those battles. Uh, but I think that this can also really be representative of our own sanctification. This is, we hear the message of the kingdom initially, of course, uh, but we are also regularly hearing the message of the kingdom, and we need to let it sink into our hearts regularly. So my question for you tonight is, what does the ground look like in your life as the seeds are coming? I don't know if you have ever gotten any sort of mental picture before from the Lord. If this is something you have never experienced, maybe grab a friend who is trusted and a Jesus follower who has experienced this before. Um, but a lot of times this can come through prayer or meditation. You'll hear you know, believers say something along the lines of, like, I feel led to share this word, or I feel like the Lord is putting this on my heart. Um, I feel like I saw this picture. Uh, that practice is going to be for another day. But I want to share some of my own personal experience uh, because I very specifically feel like I have gotten images before over many years of my life of following Jesus that really kind of pertain to a garden, if you will, of what the different states of my life have been. And so I want to be clear that these are Maddie's experiences. You're seeing a little bit behind the curtain of Maddie. They're not necessarily going to line up 
exactly with the four soils, but I think it's helpful so you can see what this could look like in your own life. So one of the first images I've seen um, was a garden. So I have a picture here. This is the Bucart Gardens in Victoria. And I actually have been here. This is my very own picture. And I, so my family went on vacation to Victoria. And my mom, I think, was like, there's these beautiful gardens and they're really famous. And I was like, cool. I'm not like super interested in looking at flowers all day. But sure, like that sounds like a great outing. And, you know, you kind of start off and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, these are pretty flowers. This is cool. And then there's this moment where you're walking on this path and you turn this corner and you see this. And I kid you not, I gasped. I literally like, <gasps> because of how beautiful it was. And I wish that this picture could truly do justice of how magnificent it felt because you're kind of on a hill and it's just this like vast valley of a beautiful garden. And gosh, this image here, uh, this is what our life should be. This is times where, um, you know, when I think about images that I've gotten before of a garden, I don't know that it's this specific garden. These pictures are just representative of the, of the mental pictures that I've gotten um, at the state of where I am uh, spiritually, if you will. Uh, but this is the ideal, right? This is Genesis 1. This is the Garden of Eden. This is beautiful. It's abundant. It's growing. It's reflective of a beautiful creator. Um, there's other times in my life where I feel like my life is just absolute uninhabitable chaos, uh, which is this next picture. It's most representative of weeds. Uh, I can think of times where I just felt like my thoughts, my stress, my anxiety, had just completely overrun the goodness that should be in my life. Uh, Genesis 1, the very, very first verse, of the scripture. Um, uh, most of our English translations say that the world was formless and void. Um, and another way to think about it is actually that it is uninhabitable and chaotic. And it's actually just a lack of order. And the way to put it into order is to kind of take the chaos. Uh, so if you can think about it like this is unordered, right? We put it into order and it's looking something like a garden and there's purpose to it. Um, but I can just think of times in my life where I felt like I am being choked out by weeds. This can just be sin in my life. It can just be overwhelming. But it's like I need someone to come in and just start slashing, slashing out all of the chaos in my life. Uh, other times in my life, I felt like my heart was hard, barren ground. This was most specifically related to pain anger, bitterness, hurt, that I did not want to be redeemed. And I had no problem just sitting in my anger. Um, I can think of times several years ago where it just felt like I had no problem sitting in this really hard ground. And I knew that the Lord wanted to do some good work on my heart. And it was like, good luck. I don't even know how you can uh, break through this. It was kind of like I felt like I was in the wilderness. And I thought, I don't even know where to go next. But here I am, surrounded by this really hard, hard rock. And just to put a little bit of humor into it, whenever I saw this, I always could only imagine of the scene in The Lion King. Uh, when 
Simba is discovered by Timon and Pumbaa. That was always, I thought, like, <laughs> it was like I was angry, but then the Lord would be, would like bring this to my mind, and it made me chuckle a little bit. It was like a way to soften my really hard heart. Uh, and so I clearly needed some, some reworking in my life. Which, um, now, I'll also say, just a side note, these different images, uh, they kind of string together in how I've lined them up, but that doesn't necessarily mean this was the progression. It'd be great if this was the progression. Sometimes I bounced around, you know, then it would be good and things are growing and then I would go back to the hard desert, if you will. Um, but then at some point it felt like something had to give and I kind of felt like a wasteland and a tree, a dead tree needed to be uprooted. And I mean, there, there's nothing. Where's the green? Where's the goodness? I could tell that I kind of was like, all right, I need to make a change here. Um, another like, version of this image I would see would be um, a fire. So this doesn't depict a fire. Well, you could say that maybe a fire had just happened. But that's when I think of like the refining fire, if you will. This is Isaiah. This is the burning coal on the lips. Woe is me. I am unclean. And sometimes a fire is necessary. Like if you think of the weeds, sometimes a fire just needs to come through and destroy the weeds. Uh, which then brings to another version of some really soft soil. Uh, this was times in my life where I felt like I was willing to kind of start uprooting the pain that I had experienced in my heart. I was learning, I was reading, I was meditating on scripture, I was listening, I was growing, and the result of the fire, if you will, I could start to see there's some hope. There's some seeds that are growing. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the drive from Salem to Central Oregon, um, but I'm sure you are. <laughs> and you saw the devastation of the fires that happened in those, uh, those drives over. So many homes were lost, and it's devastating. Um, and I don't know if you've also noticed that grass has started to sprout. Uh, this is something I noticed a couple years ago, too. There was a field fire by my work, and it wasn't even a huge deal. It got put out pretty quickly, and I just remember the ground was black. And then not long after, green grass started appearing, and I was like, what? I, that just shows how much I don't really know about how uh, grass and <laughs> uh, agriculture works. Um, but I was like, wow, that is really beautiful, uh, a really beautiful depiction of, I would say, that refining fire that sometimes the Lord puts us through when everything's black, and then green starts to come through. And the Lord knew what he was doing when he created our earth to be like this. It is reflective of how he works in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, and then that brings us back to a garden again. You know, this image is, wow, I feel like I'm in a good place and it's time to rest. This is Genesis 1. This is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who is like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, bearing fruit. This is Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is Revelation 22. The tree of life bearing fruit and the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God. Humans living in communion with their creator, their father, their king. So I now ask you guys, what soil are you cultivating for the seed? 
When you think of your heart and you think of your life, what's the environment that a seed could be landing in? I mean, I just showed you I've experienced all of those seasons in my life, and I have a feeling that you maybe have as well. I don't know where you're at right now where you can look back on a time where you can think, man, yeah, I was there too, and I feel like I've grown so much in a beautiful way, but uh, maybe just another way to phrase it is, how do you receive the message of the kingdom of God? So when you're coming to church, what space are you in? Is your ground hardened by the weak, exhaustions from work and parenting and finances and COVID and tensions and disagreements amongst loved ones? Is the space crowded with noise and a really full schedule and appointments and commitments and a numbing escape mechanisms of social media or food or alcohol or endless streaming of shows just crowding the space in your mind, preventing you from receiving the goodness that is available to you? Have you been able to identify the fruit or growth from the seed in your life? Maybe you're the seed on the path. You hear things, but you don't really understand it. You show up on you know, a Sunday, and you're like, oh, that was interesting, but it didn't really connect. You don't really care, maybe, to understand. So you're just going through the motions. No action is happening. Or you're the seed on the rock. You could be listening to my words right now and be really excited and think, this is great. Um, but the seed isn't cultivated. So no change of heart is happening, no repentance, no change in lifestyle. So right now, things that are hard are coming after you. And you're not really too sure maybe anything ever had any weight to it anyways. Or the seed on the thorns. The pressures and anxieties of this world are getting to you. You've started to think, I need to provide for myself. I need to strengthen myself. I need to get this uh, tough shell, if you will. I need to make things happen because I think maybe the Lord's forgotten about me. Maybe you feel a little choked out by the world. So if you need some new soil, repent. Turn towards the Lord. Cultivate the soil that you have. Maybe it's sin or letting go of circumstances. Maybe it's putting some roots down and being a little bit more intentional about where you're at with the Lord. Maybe it's showing up on a Sunday and being more willing to be transformed by an encounter with the Lord. Do you have ears to hear? Let me pray for, pray for us. Lord, we want good soil, and we know that you can transform us. We know that rest is good in the garden, and we know that you want to dwell with us there. So, Father, I ask that you would reveal to us what needs to be transformed in our hearts, what needs to be changed, what needs to be altered, what needs to maybe be killed. I ask that you would make it very clear of the truth that you want to speak to us tonight, Father. You would convict us in the way that we need to be convicted. We trust you, Lord, and we're ready for heart transformation. In your name, amen.